Dreams are often so striking that in between the time you are still asleep and awake, for a few brief moments you are breathing hard and sweating, unsure of which consciousness you are inhabiting. When you come to, your hands may be clenched into fists and the muscles in your legs tight. Imagery of your dreams linger for a few brief seconds before full awareness takes over and you try to hold on to the vividness in your mind. This is Vice and Villainy. Reporting on the criminal and mysterious, we are your source for the stories that shape your world. Oh my goodness, I don't understand what these rich people think. I mean, it's not like the spirits are always completely accurate. Sometimes your ball's gonna be a little bit cloudy, your crystals are gonna be broken. Sometimes they're just not gonna feel like telling the truth. I don't even understand why she thinks that this inaccurate reading is the end of the world. It's not that big of a deal. This is an art, not a science. <sighs> Oh, hi, Gwyneth. How are you today? You you seem to be a little, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, worked up. Oh, Simus, let me tell you, these rich people, they just expect everything on demand. They just, they just think that, you know, I'm a miracle worker. I'm not a miracle worker. Yes, I have access to things beyond, but... <sighs> they just expect so much from me. Things were a little inaccurate. Oh, Lady Abbefort looking for another reading? Pre trying to yes. predict the future? Yeah. yeah, as always. As always. But I never tell her what she wants to hear, I guess. If you've got a little bit of time, I might be able to help you out there. Oh, I always have time for you. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see, where's going to be the best place? Uh, I've got, okay, we're going to head over to the Staples because no one will be there right now and that's basically my domain. So let's head over there and I'm going to tell you a story and I think it will just give you a little bit of an edge next time you uh, have to go in and see the lady. Oh, that sounds perfect to me. Not that I need a lot of extra help, but you know, it just... It can't hurt, right? It can't hurt. Okay. So, yeah, I just finished cleaning these. Um, well, I didn't finish cleaning them, but some of the stable boys finished cleaning it. So we're in, we're in pretty good shape here. You may hear the occasional horse whinny, um, some, some neighing, but, you know, it's all right. So have a seat. I've got this table over here. We can get comfortable. Would you like something to drink? Oh, I think I'm okay for now, but thank you. All right. Well, let me tell you this story. So I'm going to start off by telling you I'm going to hold back this woman's name until the very end. Oh. I'll preface it with that. And it takes place in a in a city called Helgabal, um, which is not exactly close to where we are. It's kind of up near the Great Glacier. Um... So it's a little bit farther away. However, it's it's interesting nonetheless. And I'll tell you that I have direct knowledge of this. This is a story 
I've heard before, I know intimately. Um, so it's it's firsthand. It's 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 not something I've heard from a friend of a friend or or, or studied or researched. I, this is this is a story I know. Oh, that's excellent. I love a credible source. So picture a woman. She's human, um, maybe in her late 20s. She's got black hair, like dark black hair, shoulder length, uh, these piercing blue eyes, and, and she's fairly tall. She's like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, um, and she's 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 pretty beautiful it's it's hard to deny that and she's having these really strange cryptic dreams she begins having them and while she's asleep uh, she's dreaming of being in her house like either sitting in a chair or lying in bed and this very strong incorporeal presence starts to approach her and as it gets closer, she there's these intense feelings of good and safety, and they just wash over her. And it's this wonderful feeling. So it's it's not a, a bad dream at all. It's it's actually quite nice. Um, and these dreams continue for months. And she always wakes up and she's like breathing hard and she's tired, but she's always content. You know, it's a good dream. She's she's always happy. And at the end of each of these dreams, in kind of in that in-between time when you sleep and wake up uh, she sees a pair of these these two bright lights and they kind of descend from above her and they land on her chest and when they land on her chest she hears this voice that says seek oh oh so someone from beyond is telling her that there's something that needs to be looked for now you see why I think this story's right up your alley I do I do this is something I can very much relate to so after a couple of months, like with, without a break, it's not like she's having this dream every night, but you know, a couple of times a week, she, she wants to try to figure out what's going on. So she enlists a psychic and she finds this woman. Uh, her name is Rena Elwin. She's a half elf. And she, she pays her and says, I'm trying to find out what this is. Can you help me? And let's do this. So. Rena comes over and they kind of like prepare the house and they burn some sage and, and kind of anoint some things with oils and sets up a little area to, to start the ceremony. And the psychic before the ceremony is like, you know, I don't know exactly what this is, but I'm going to bring a cleric of Ilmater with me just in case because this is kind of strange. This is a little bit past the things that I'm used to. So she, she brings in this cleric, um, and her name is Adele Lothrin, also a human. So Adele kind of sits down in a chair to the side and, and, um, Rena and this woman kind of sit across from each other. And during the ceremony, everything starts, these two balls of light descend, um, and they appear on the woman's chest, maybe like four or five inches apart. And as she gets up and walks around, they move with her as if they were part of her body. There's no pain. There's also no communication. No one's saying anything this time. But as she walks around the room, there's paintings of deceased family members and, and things like that. Um, she passes, a, you know, a couple of pictures, paintings, and goes back and forth. 
and one in particular, whenever she does, the lights kind of flare. And it's a painting of a woman in a long blue dress. She has blonde hair and purple eyes. uh, And she exudes something like indescribable. She's just like, you look at this painting and the artist did a really good job of capturing it. It's just this, I don't know if it's a personality trait or whatever, but something is just radiating out of this woman. And um, again, she's like this woman, she's remarkably beautiful. So these lights are flaring every time she goes past. Um, and as she moves away, they dim. Um, what she finds out is, or what she doesn't find out, she knows. This woman is actually her great aunt. So the psychic kind of looks at the cleric and the cleric looks back at her like, oh, what's going on? Um, and for the next hour, nothing really happens. Uh, no, no discussion, no channeling, no... Um, Nothing like that, and eventually the lights just fade, and everything goes back to normal. Oh my goodness. I mean, it would seem to make sense that if the ant had this kind of quality to her in life, that she would be able to kind of harness some of that energy after death. So just from what you've told me now, it it does seem that it could have something to do at least with the ant, but that's just that's just on the, the limited information that I have right now. Being in the business, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I guess it's not really business for you. It's just part of who you are, right? Oh, God. Oh, gosh. Yes, yes. It's a calling. Yeah. It's a calling. The money that comes with it, I mean, it's great. It's fabulous. Rich people, they're wonderful. Love them. But, you know, it's just, it's who I am, really. Sure. Um, so, this woman is intrigued now, and she does some research into her family tree. And she discovers that her great aunt disappeared when she turned 30 years old um was just never like one day was there and the next day was not and after investigation upon investigation authorities somehow ruled out foul play they don't believe she was murdered or anything like that um they kind of found out that she had this really fierce independent streak and would sometimes just pick up and go uh vacation or, or travel whenever she wanted to. So most people kind of got the impression that she just said, forget it, I'm out of here. Um, decided to go move somewhere new. Uh, and everyone was kind of hinting that she she went out to the, the Sword Coast area, like this calling to go out west. But who who is this this woman? I mean, who like what's going on in her in her life? Who is she? What's what's making all of these things happen, right? Like so let's get a little background on this woman. She's She had a really good childhood. She didn't have any siblings, but she was happy. She was actually a teacher at one of the city schools. She was not in a relationship, but she was currently kind of at a crossroads in her life uh, where she she didn't know if she wanted to stay a teacher or, or do something else, and she had this urge to travel. She had never left the, the boundaries of their country, which was Damara, and, you know, coming up on 30, she felt like, okay, I need to start making some decisions here. And then that voice in her head telling her to seek kept, like, like almost haunting her. So she was trying to figure out, what do I do? What do I do? And that night, she tries to force a dream. She's trying to dream about leaving the city of Helgabal. So she's laying in bed and she's imagining, you know, the places she's only read about in books. And she starts to fall asleep. And 
she sees like sandy beaches and she's standing on the beach and these waves are crashing over her feet and there's like that smell of sea salt in the air and it's hot and it's a heat she's never felt before being so far north uh, and she sees all these people but they kind of are like amalgamations of people they're not distinctive in any way and she's just looking out at the ocean and it's in her mind it's crazy to her because she's never seen the ocean before and as she's looking out she starts to feel herself start to wake up and as she does she feels a tap on her shoulder she turns and she sees this bright pair of purple eyes staring at her but nothing else there's no face there's no it's almost as if they're so bright she can't see anything else and that familiar voice begins to speak and it says your time has come you are needed seek Mierda and I are often asked how we are able to function as people when we are so immersed in darkness day in day out researching and talking to people about vice and villainy it isn't easy, and we're thankful we don't have to do it alone. The clerics at the Temple of Ilmater have been more than accommodating in letting us share the things that weigh heavily on us. There's always someone available, ready to listen and offer compassion. So if you have something weighing on you, stop off at your local Temple of Ilmater and let them help bear the burden. And we're back to Vice and Villainy. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The fact that it was just the eyeballs. I mean, even somebody with the with the experience that I do, that's a little bit frightening. That's that's a little bit much to be honest. And it does seem that perhaps there's something there that the place matters more than the people that are there because there was no if there was no distinct person or even just like distinct people walking around, they were just kind of blobs, we'll say. But everything down to the smell of the salt in the air was part of the vision or the dream that she got. I wonder if maybe that was someone's way of trying to tell her something and that, you know, don't get distracted by the people there. You're there for something else. That's interesting insight. I'd never actually considered that. I like that. Um, so, yeah, so she's like... She's trying to piece it together, right? She's she's woken up and she's trying to hold on to it, but she she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand this like your time has come, you are needed. Like in her mind, she's she's a school teacher that you know hasn't left her country. Um, <laughs> I'm a nobody. What what am I doing? And so the next night, she thinks about it all day, and the next night she. Uh, tries to dream again. She's trying to force another dream. Same thing. She wants to leave Helgeval. Except this time she's taken to her classroom. And there's this one child that's sitting on one of the benches. And uh, it's a child that had recently died. And then there, due to the fact that there was this evil druid poisoning the water supply to a group of farms near some woods near where she lived. Apparently he had taken offense at you know, the farm's trying to take water and irrigate their land. Oh my goodness, how horrible. Um, so that, that child had, had died. And in this, the, the child lifts its head uh, and begins to speak to her. But it's his voice. It's not this other voice that she's familiar with. It's his voice. And his voice, he says, you are special. You are more than you think. Seek. 
and as she walks out of her classroom, she, she starts to wake up. And in that brief moment of, I guess we'll call it threshold consciousness, she hears that familiar voice say, when you wake, seek the temple and everything will be different. Seek the temple? Oh my goodness, is this... Is this temple anything that she might be familiar with or that she might already know it? Because she's never left. But she is a school teacher, so she probably reads quite a bit. So as she's waking up, she's a little confused. And she starts to lose the dream. And she's trying to hold on to stuff, like what she's thinking about. And she just, she somehow um, holds on to seeking the temple. So she's holding on to that thought. And, and the only temple in that city, in her city, is is uh, a temple of Ilmater. So she she heads over there. And when she, she shows up and she kind of knocks on the door, she's not quite sure what to do, she knocks on the door. <laughs> um, the priest that greets her kind of gives her this really curious look. It's not, it's not a bad look, it's just, it's curious. Um, and she doesn't quite pick up on it though at first and he asks her to come inside and wait a moment and he'll, he'll return shortly and he, he's like I'll bring you some water and you know I'll be right back when he returns he's with uh, a middle aged woman and she's got this fiery red hair she's in her like mid 40s she's a half elf um, well she appears to be in her mid 40s she's a half elf she's got a few scars on her face and on her hands uh, and she's dressed in these simple white robes and there's this red cord kind of tied around the waist. And her name is, she introduces herself. She says, I'm um, Isolartha Saucier, and she is the ranking cleric at this temple. This woman's kind of like, why? Like, who am I? Why is this ranking cleric coming to talk to me? Um, also, a few moments after she shows up, the... Uh, cleric that was with the psychic, Adele, also shows up. And this woman's now kind of like, she's a little freaked out. She's, she's not quite sure what she's gotten herself into, and she's kind of doubting whether she should have come or not. And uh, Issa Lartha asks her, she says, have you, have you been feeling different, differently lately? Have you, have you, have you, you know, has something changed inside of you? And the woman says no, aside from, you know, the strange dreams, and she kind of explains all the dreams and stuff. And the priest returns a short time later, except he doesn't bring water. He's holding a mirror. So she starts to, like, hold the mirror up, and as she does, she sees, like, almost straight down the middle of her hair, there's now this um, streak of metallic silver hair. Oh. And as she, as she kind of is initially focused on that... She notices her hands, and she looks at her hands, and around each wrist, there's now a red band. So she's like, what is going on here? Um, she's completely shocked. At a total loss for words. She's just kind of standing there, like, kind of drops the mirror, and, like, mouth is kind of agape. Um, you can just, like, imagine the thoughts running through her head and she can't focus on any one of them and she's trying to figure it out but she just she can't quite she can't quite do it so Isolartha takes the mirror takes the woman's hands and as she she brings them together like this um see that 
the two red bands come together and it makes her hands look like they're bound by a red cord. And the most interesting thing is that is the marking of the god Ilmater. So she's probably even more special than we realized. So upon holding her hands out in front of her, seeing this, all these changes, suddenly she just starts to cry, like uncontrollable, just weeping. And it's not sad crying, it's it's just crying. It's just emotion just coming out. Um, and Issa Lartha just kind of holds her and comforts her and doesn't say anything and just, just is there for her. Finally, after some time, the woman stops crying and she kind of pulls back and she's, she asks Isolartha, like, what is, what does this mean? Isolartha says she's, she's not a hundred percent sure, but she believes that in some way Ilmater has, has touched her, has said like, there's a reason that your hands have this red thing around it and your hair now has this, this streak. And that's normally the sign that a deity believes that you have a special purpose. But Isolarth is like, I don't know what that purpose is. And she kind of dives into the, you know, they sit down and they talk about these dreams and kind of get into some details about them. And um, she's trying to probe to see if there's anything that stands out. And finally, the woman kind of thinking goes back to the dream with the boy. Uh, as she starts thinking about this boy, the two lights appear on her chest again. Oh. But they're brighter than they ever were before. And the clerics around are like, they're surprised, but they're not shocked. Um, and the woman starts to like feel something. And she's like, she's, she says, it. I'm, I'm starting to feel something. Uh, and the lights, they start to move from her chest. And then they move up to where her eyes are. And then, poof, big flash. And then huge bright flash like the room illuminates no one can see anything and then instantly they disappear and in that moment where like it was so bright but now it's dark it takes a moment for your eyes to readjust uh, when the woman opens her eyes all the clerics their mouths are open like just agape and oh she must have been very startled to see a room full of people terrified or extremely surprised at what had just happened. Right. And I mean, this woman has never had anything like this happen. So she's, you know, this is all happening at once kind of right now. And what it ends up being is her eyes that were once this bright blue are now that same blue, but around the outside, there's this bright ring of gold around them. Really? And kind of as she's taking stock of what's going on in this room she notices that um, Isalartha whispers something to Adele the cleric that was with the, the psychic um, and Adele comes over to the woman she's sitting in the chair and she says I need you to close your eyes and picture yourself in the dark so the woman kind of closes her eyes and just pictures herself surrounded by nothing but darkness Enveloping everything, just everywhere. And then she says, I need you to visualize a light starting in your chest and then growing. Like imagine if it's getting brighter and it's and it's coming out. Um, 
The woman kind of, you can see, like, the cleric see her focus in on and try this. And as she starts to focus, they all see it. This, this light starts to emanate from her. It's, it's like an aura. Um, and as soon as the woman opens her eyes, the light disappears. She's, she's left sitting there, and she's just... She wants to know, what's, what's happening to me? What is this? And in that moment of, of calling out, she hears that familiar voice again. And it says, You have found, and you have been found. Your true self has been revealed. You are an Azamar, and Elmater has need of you. Oh my god. I'm freaking out for her right now, to be honest. So that's pretty crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely. You want to know something even crazier? Of course I do. Please tell me. So you know Lady Abbefort's friend, um, Sabriel? Mm-hmm. That's her. What? Mm-hmm. What? Yep. How, how did I not catch on to this? How did the spirits not whisper in my ear and give me this juicy bit of information? I'm almost mad at the great beyond right now. I don't know, but... There's there's something now that you can you can kind of use to to talk to talk to the lady. I will absolutely be using this as much as possible, and she's going to be so impressed that I know. <laughs> Just don't 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 tell her I told you. Oh no, absolutely! You won't even come up. We'll make sure that you don't even come up. We'll keep you protected. You're an excellent source, you know. Well, I do have I do have my ways. Perhaps if you ever need a reading, I could do one for free. Ooh, that might be interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to take you up on that. I'm sure Mierda would love to hear the, the outcome of that. <laughs> oh, yes. Everyone always loves to hear the, the outcomes of my readings. I mean, mostly everyone, most of the time, you know. Well, I hate to I hate to do this, but it's I've got I've got to get back to work. Um, I can't spend too much time, but I thought I'd I thought I'd take a little bit of time and relay that to you, and hopefully that helps you out. And if you come across any stories of your own you'd like to share, you know where you know where to find me, and maybe we can sit down and you can tell me something sometime. Absolutely. Next time we talk, next time we both get a minute. We'll go ahead and I can tell you some of the wild things that I've come to know in this world as well. That sounds excellent because I'm always looking for a good story. <laughs> well, until next time. Until next time. Please join our Discord and share what you know. We even have a channel where you can remain anonymous, protecting your identity. Thanks for listening. This is Corey. You can find me on Twitter at dndiapers underscore. Thanks, everyone. I'm Diana, and you can find me everywhere on the internet as Super Dylan.
Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at ViceVillainyPod. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Vice and Villainy is a CLDG production.